Welcome back to The Last Burn. As always, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, just search The Last Burn in the search bar. On Twitter, you can follow us at The Last Burn. Episode 3 will be posted tonight. Let's get started. Welcome back to episode three of The Last Burn. We're gonna get started with our week two awards. First, most impressive moment of the week. Before I get started with that, we have three special guest hosts with us today. They're gonna to hope to be with us weekly. We have Zach is back with us from episode one. Brandon is with us and we have DJ as well. Most impressive moment of the week for me, Joe Thomas. 10,062 snaps without missing a single one into over his career. I think he's a new Iron Man. I posted up on the article that I don't think this will ever be beat again in the NFL. I mean, guys, Garrett Bowles of the Denver Broncos in his second career game <laughs> went out with a, with a bone bruise. So I think this is something that is not getting enough attention. Uh, quick fire. We're going to start to my left. Uh, Brandon. Um, what do you think about Joe Thomas? Is it the most impressive, or is there something that is more impressive that has happened this week? Yeah, I'd have to say that's, that's the most impressive. Just incredible longevity, doing that, not getting injured, playing every week, just something spectacular. You're not gonna, I don't think you're going to see that again, honestly. I agree. And people don't, don't forget, this is for the Cleveland Browns. I mean, he could probably take a couple games off and still be out there being all-pro. DJ. Yeah, he's, he's been going on every quarterback. New quarterback coming in left week, left every week, just keeps plugging in, protecting them. Absolutely. DJ, your thoughts? Yeah, it's for the Browns. <laughs> I mean, that's incredible. 10,000 snaps. That's just, I mean, he's got an argument for the greatest of all time. He really does. I completely agree. I mean, if you look at, the, like Brandon said, the longevity of one guy playing left tackle, left tackle for the Cleveland Browns, it is very impressive. I read a story earlier this week where he had to name all the starting quarterbacks that have he has blocked for for the Cleveland Browns. And then one guy came in, Josh Johnson. He never met him before. It was after Thad Lewis got hurt. Josh Johnson came into the huddle, and Joe Thomas had to go up to him and say, who are you? He had to shake his hand, had to introduce himself. I think he had 19 quarterbacks, too. 19 quarterbacks. Same. Antonio Cromartie and his kids. <laughs> Josh Johnson, this quarterback who he just met, fumbled the next play. That's Cleveland. All right, Zach, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty remarkable. Um, I mean, I believe it's even mentioned that he's had uh, MCL tears, um, high ankle sprains, and that is saying something, you know, even being a Denver fan, bringing up bowls, I mean, a guy does get a bone bruise, and he thought his season was over, and you get a guy that has MCL tears. It's pretty remarkable, and it's, um, it's really special, and it, it's good to see that for the NFL, see a player like that that, you know, Regardless of, of injury, maintains, stays out there. It's, it's pretty special. The, the, the loyalty to Cleveland is also impressive that we don't talk about. But here's my next question. If we compare it to other Ironmen in other sports, you know, I talked about Cal Ripken. That's the only one I talk about. Is it more impressive that what Joe Thomas has done in the NFL compared to what Cal Ripken did in, the, in baseball? That's really tough because two different sports. But for me personally, it would be. I feel like football... Injury probability is much higher. 
it's like a hundred percent injury probability, and he's been staying injury free. So I would personally, I would say yes. And as you mentioned too, I mean, that's the trenches of the NFL. I mean, that is you're constantly grinding, uh, constantly the contact's always there. Yeah. You're always hitting somebody, and I think it's way more impressive. Than it's tackle's probably the second most important position in football after quarterback. Absolutely, it's a miracle he hasn't been rolled up on. And I mean, think if he gets rolled up on and he sits down. They're going to come out. The trainer's going to come out, and they're going to pull him out for one play. Yeah. That's never happened. Nope. That that's yeah. mind blowing to me. Every snap. Yep. The 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 argument for baseball is the grind. You know, 162 games sure. over the course of a whole season. But at the same time, Cal Ripken did not play every game during that streak. Right. Uh, that's just why I think Joe Thomas is is the new Iron Man. And in baseball, there's plays you're not even involved. Right. For sure. In offense, he's in he's in he's involved in every play. Right. Absolutely. Overachiever of the week moving forward, Trevor Simeon, the great. Now, this is a new name for me. Trevor Simeon, the great. In September, this guy is 5-0. and But to be honest with me, it's not impressive. The Cowboys' secondary to me is not impressive at all. That defense isn't impressive. I think they caught the Cowboys at the right time. Uh, Cowboys coming off a big opening day win against the Giants after the year before getting swept by them. I think there was a lot of motion for that game in Dallas. I think then traveling to Denver. I think I think it was a tough game for Dallas going into Denver. With that being said, Trevor Simeon, I'm not that impressed. I think he's he very much overachieved. I don't think he's a franchise quarterback. Um, but uh, that's just my thoughts. Uh, back to my left, Brandon. Um, overachiever Trevor Simeon have anything else uh, if I was to say the overachievers right now for me would be either be the Ravens or the Panthers defense I'm just I'm not sold on either of them they haven't really played anyone impressive numbers when you look at it but until I see them against a real offense I'm just not sold on them yet I agree the Ravens have not played anyone and the Panthers this week I'm, I'm interested to see how they play against the Saints yeah it should be interesting even though the Saints offense they put up numbers they've kind of have been stat padding numbers, so I'm not really sold on their offense either. Blake it, doesn't, it doesn't meet the reputation, but it will be interesting to see what the Panthers do this week. Blake Bortles' garbage time numbers is that what we're talking about? Yeah, <laughs> he does that every week. So, <laughs> and DJ overachiever of the week, definitely Trevor Simeon. I mean, <laughs> the Cowboys' uh, secondary was hit with injuries in that game. It, it's very reminiscent of the Seattle game in 2012 with the Cowboys, and they were on the road week two. Uh, they just got beat. Uh, they had Xavier Woods, who's a rookie six-round draft pick safety, playing nickel corner because Nolan Carroll got out with a concussion, and Chidobi Awuje got hurt with a hamstring injury. So, I mean, you have Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders out there against Jordan Lewis, who's playing his first game, and who knows else. All right, moving on. Zach. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, to hit on both topics here, I'll start with the um, Ravens and Panthers, you know, and uh, first episode, they said I was the agreeing man, but again, I'm going to agree. Yeah, I can't can't really sit here and say that I am sold on the Ravens defense. Um, I I think the Ravens, do they have a a good defense? Sure. As well as they've been playing the past two games? I don't know. Um, Let's see, they they played the Bengals, and... Was it the the Browns? Browns. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, the two low end teams of that division, not really sold. And Carolina, I'm not sold. On they played the Niners yeah. and uh, who else did they play? 
I'm honestly not sure. I know it's weak yeah. team. That's why. Well, I know. regardless uh, of who they play, they play the Bills. The Bills. Yeah. yeah, the Bills. I'm not sold on either either side of the ball for them. Um, I think that team could potentially uh, finish last in that division. Um, that wasn't my projection um, being the year, but as the year plays out. And back to Simeon. Um, as a Bronco hater and a Cowboys fan sitting next to me. <laughs> Do I expect him to throw four touchdowns every game? Absolutely not. Um, has he been throwing the ball pretty well this year? Um, from what I've seen, absolutely. Um, I, I've been impressed. Um, and going into the year, I was pretty – I was wanting Lynch to win the job. And yeah, But as I've seen Simeon play these past couple games, and, and let's not forget, he has done this before in his career last year when he against Cincinnati. In Cincinnati, he threw four touchdown passes. Uh, so it's not like it hasn't been done before. Um, yes, Cowboys did have some issues in the secondary injuries, so forth. Um, but to be honest, I think I, I think the whole defense played flat uh, for the Cowboys. The, the run game, Denver's run game, excelled. Uh, I think they're they're number one this year statistically two in two games, uh, number one uh, rushing offense. Mm-hmm. So I think as as a whole, they are they're playing very well, and I think that that helps Simeon out a lot. And I'm impressed so far. 2-0, can't argue with that. Moving on to the bust of the week. All right, guys. Ryan Grigson, GM for the Indianapolis Colts. Andrew Luck, that shoulder has not getting better. He has not thrown a pass since last season. It must be a lot worse than what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Why is Ryan Grigson not put Andrew Luck on IR this year? That team's not talented. Putting him out there is just going to put him in, more, in harm's way. And this is the biggest aspect of this argument of putting Luck on IR right now. If they put Luck on IR, do you see that team winning one game, two games max? I think they're going to lose to the Browns this weekend. The Browns are road favorites in Indianapolis. This is what I would do. I'd put Luck on IR. Ryan Grigson's in the first year as a GM. He's not going to get fired for his job this year. Like His job is safe. Like when your franchise quarterback at the caliber Andrew Luck is not playing, you're fine. He's not going to get fired. He needs to sit Andrew Luck down, tell him, "Hey, let's take this year off. Let's go on IR. Let's get a top two pick in the draft, and look at those quarterbacks coming out next year: Allen, Rosen, Darnold. You're telling me a team that needs a quarterback isn't going to give a lot more than what they gave away for RG3 and Jared Goff? Right. If there's if I have the first pick in the draft and I'm the Colts, you're getting eight picks. That's eight players to surround around Andrew Luck. And in that division, it's not very good right now. Let's be honest. Even though I'm a Titans fan, that division is not very good. If you give Andrew Luck eight draft picks and you hit on four of those, if you go 50% and say you have uh, two firsts and two seconds and you hit on those, that Colts team is, is now a contender in the AFC. That's just my bust of the week. I don't know if anyone has any other thoughts on Ryan Grigson. I know it's kind of a reach, um, reaching for a GM as a bust, but I don't know what he's doing wasting our time. Honestly, I think the Colts and the Jets are the two worst organizations in the NFL, personally. So I would agree there. If I was to make a bust, it'd probably be Andy Dalton. I mean, what else can you say? That was just pathetic. Missing, I don't know, man. It was just terrible. I had them winning that game against the Texans going in, and it was just flat showing. It just It's kind of hard to defend them nowadays. I agree. It absolutely is. Do you think the Bengals should go in a different direction at this point? Um, personally, yes. They gave them that big contract, but 
it's just not working out. And also to defend him, actually, the offensive line's got a lot worse. They lost some key pieces last year. But he still has enough talent around him. They should not be producing that flat week in and week out. It's just... They should have scored a touchdown by right now. Yeah. Right? There's too much talent on that team to not put up points on the board. Absolutely. And this isn't a, a new thing either. I mean, Andy Dalton is some game. You have, you have a good Andy Dalton and you have a bad Andy Dalton. And here lately we've been seeing a lot of the bad Andy Dalton. Because um, he's, he's had some games where he's looked impressive. But here lately he's been missing some wide open throws. It's, and it's he's missing them badly. Um, I think week one, five turnovers yeah. all on him. I think, what, four picks and a fumble or mm-hmm. something like that. So... Uh, yeah, I think it's about time they go in a new direction. DJ. The biggest bust of the week, I'm going to do a heel turn. It was the Cowboys' run game and Zeke versus the Broncos' defense. Uh, it just was non-existent. Um, they kept trying to really run them up the middle. They didn't do a lot of outside runs, give them a chance to make a guy miss. And you got to hand it to the Broncos because, you know, that offensive line, you can argue, has the three best linemen on it, three all-pros. Mm-hmm. And it was just it was saddening to watch because I – Personally, I had Zeke in both of my FanDuel lineups because I thought, okay, they're not going to be able to pass the ball downfield. Zeke's going to get 10 catches. He's going to have 20 carries. It's going to be a really productive day for him, and there was nothing. Yeah, and what I noticed from that game, um, it just seemed like Zeke was out of it, Like not necessarily statistically-wise, but just watching on the field and stuff like that. Now, they were arguing about the interception, him standing at the 50-yard line. I, there's no issue with that. I mean, there's no. no there's no reason for him to try to make that play. It was already... Um, several yards down the field. Um, There's a lot of chatter that Zeke's out of shape right now and, since he missed all that time. And, and that could be so, but he just he just didn't seem like he was in the game. Um, and like you said, I mean, I, I was actually surprised because, you know, the thing Denver struggled with last year was stopping the run. Um, I, and I was going into the game, I was very nervous. I thought, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to really struggle with this. Um, Melvin Gordon had some pretty bright showings against them, so I thought yeah, Zeke was going to yeah, go off too. I agree. And, um, they impressed me. They stopped him, shut him down. It was really impressive. Makes me very nervous for that game against the Eagles, who do have a very yes. good defensive line, and they're probably watching tape on that game right oh, now. Oh, for sure, absolutely. We're going to get back to that six or to the Zeke not chowing on the interception piece. Um, I have an analogy I want to use a little later. But Zach, give us your bust of the week, and then we'll actually transition to Broncos Cowboys. All right. Um, actually, I don't really have bust of the week, but I want to get back to the the Colts. Okay. Um, thing because I think that's a valid point. Um, the only argument I have is, well, first let me say this: I don't. Brandon had mentioned that you know that's one of the worst organizations in the league, and I, and I agree. Um, Talent-wise, I mean, other than T.Y. Hilton, I don't. There's not really much yeah. on that team, and T.Y. Hilton and Andrew Luck. Um, the only reason I could see if there actually is a chance that Andrew Luck could return. Um, and the only reason why he would is because of how weak that division is. There right. still is an opportunity to win that division if he comes back. Is it a risk? Absolutely, because <laughs> they can't even keep the guy upright. But um, that, that would be the only reason why I could see them trying to pursue to get him back and not put him on IR, just because there still is an opportunity. Now, I, I still think the Titans are the favorite to win that division, um, but there still is an opportunity for them. But it makes sense for them to t- put him on the IR. I- but... If he came back now, like if he was healthy to play now, I, I completely understand that. You know, put him in 0-2. But they're talking by the time he gets back in, it could be October, middle of October. Mm-hmm. If they're 0-3, I'm sorry, 0-4, 0-5, could be too late. It's done, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not going to go 0-6 and finish 8-8 and like the Titans did a couple years ago. So, 
Um, moving on, Zach, what's your topic of the week? Uh, topic of the week. Uh, I wanted to get back to the uh, Broncos-Cowboys game. Uh, kind of want to discuss that. I think that's a, a pretty big game for Denver. Um, regardless, the Cowboys are a – I personally think that they are a good team, um, despite their defensive woes. Um, offensively, I mean, Zeke, Dak, Dez, uh, Cole – Terrence Williams, the offensive line, I think they do have a um, very good off offense. Um, but I think Denver showed some, and I don't know how many teams can actually do this, and, and we've actually discussed this. Um, with Denver's capability of, of them, of the outside, and being able to stack the box, I, I think that was very impressive. I think a lot of the, a lot of the game, um, I noticed, you know, had single high safety. Um, they brought up the safety, um, and it, sh it showed a, a pretty good formula. And, it in today's NFL, for a team to be able to stack the box and say, you know what, we're playing one-on-one -on, -one on the outside with the, with the rules that are so favored to the offense, for the Broncos to be able to stack the box the way they did, mm -hmm. it's a game changer. And then th the most compelling point was the Broncos got a lead. Yes. When the Broncos get a lead and they can pin those ears back and they're saying, all right, we're coming for you. I mean, yes, they only had two sacks, but it was the pressure around Dak. Mm -hmm. You know, moving the pocket, pushing the pocket back, collapsing the pocket. That wasn't that was impactful to me. But I want to get on the Zeke topic. You know, Zach, I, I I'm worried about the whole effort thing with Zeke, and here's why. Oh, really? Here's why. I have a wife. Okay, if we have an anniversary, all right, and say I forget to get her a gift. But if I try and I, and I put like 50% effort in, that's something. But if I don't do anything, I'm in trouble. Like, you can't, you can't just got, not give any effort. So here, here's my argument. You know, it just, it's a bad look. Mm -hmm. I mean, with everything going on with him, it's just a bad look, you know? It Try to try to try to run after him for five, ten yards. I'm, I'm saying, it. give fifty percent effort, not not zero. I, can, I can't take zero. I can I can take fifty because I can get away with that when you're when you're Zeke. Right, and it, and I think it because of what's surrounding him. I think it gives a bad look. Um, but I'm thinking from think from your perspective. Um, the play is almost twenty yards downfield. Game's over. You're, uh, you're losing. Back. And then you anytime there's a turnover, the defense is looking to take somebody's head off because you know that's the, just the the crack block, and you know just why take that risk of, of getting laid out? Of, you know, especially with the head injuries going on with the NFL. I think I don't see a real immediate need for him to rush down. The game wasn't on the line. Um, when I first watched the play, I thought when there was when there was backlash towards him, I was like, "Well, he had no chance of making the tackle anyways. Like he wasn't close to the play. He wasn't going right. to get him if he tried." But then the more I thought about it, you know, like just try a little bit, fifty percent. That's all. That's all I want. So you, you want him to jog five yards? And I definitely oh, see your point. <laughs> I wanted to make a little I mean, bit of an effort. You think if he's not a cowboy, this is even an issue? That's no, actually, it's not an issue. It's, it's, I don't think it is. It's not an issue. It's not an issue. That's, a, that's a fantastic that's, point. That is a good point. And if he was, I'm a Pats fan. If, you, if that's Gronk, do you think they're telling they're they're mad that he's not trying with his injury issue? That's a good point. It's just but, I just don't. Yeah, that's it's, a, sure he's a cowboy. It's Zeke. It's it's overblown if you ask me. I mean, I understand the argument, you. but it's would you go out and get your wife a gift during a tornado warning? Would you go out and get your wife a gift during a tornado warning? You know, down forty-two seventeen. 
<laughs> is it our anniversary? Hopefully, I, I already have that. I think you're in the tub with the mattress over here. <laughs> so, um, Zach, back to your topic though. Can Denver produce on offense? And 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 that's kind of what I want to hit as well. Is because I mean, are, are they going to be able to maintain this? You know, throughout. Uh, 14 more games and uh, the strength of schedule the AFC West guys I, I think is the best division in football um, hands down Chiefs Raiders and and your 10 and 6 Chargers your prediction on that's your 10 right and six Chargers I picked the Chargers go 10 and 6 and they're two field goals away from being 2 and 0 right so I think it's the toughest toughest division in football they you know still have uh, five more division games um, are the Chargers going to get Mike Williams back uh, yeah he, I think, yeah. I think at some point here, here in the in They're talking about maybe end of October, I heard. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see if they can, if they can maintain this. Um, the way the running game has been, I, th I think it's been phenomenal. Hopefully they can keep that up. Cause that obviously take a lot of pressure off Trevor. Um, but, I mean, the guys outside, Demarius, Emmanuel, even Virgil Green has been a very impressive tight end. Um, and, and Jeff Hyerman, he's back. So, I, I think... I think they'd be able to maintain it. Uh, four touchdowns every game from Trevor Simeon? I don't think so, but they can be productive. Keys that running game. If that running yeah. game's going good, and, they're going to be hard to beat. The Wild Horse, Jamal Charles, has looked has looked very well. Um, he's cutting, hitting holes hard. Complimentary role. Yes. Fits him well. It's been, it's been good, so we'll, well see. Well, another thing about, about the Broncos' offense, their defense is so good, but one thing that could prohibit them is if they can't run the ball – you know, when they get into those third and long situations, mm -hmm. I think that prohibits that, that offense from converting those third downs. You know, I don't mm -hmm. want Trevor Simeon in third and long. I don't want him anywhere close to it. I want him in third and three, third and four. Um, very convertible opportunities. Yeah. The problem is if the Broncos go three, four, five straight possessions, three and out, it puts a lot of well, a physical toll on the defense being out there a lot. And I think over the course yeah. of a game, playing a team like the Chiefs, playing a team like the Raiders, it kind of wears them down. You, you don't want any team going third and long. I mean, obviously, every ideal situation is third and short. Um, Especially when your quarterback's Trevor Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's what I'm saying. The, the running game's key because they like to do a lot of play action and bootleg with yep. him. And if that running game's working, it's just it's a lot harder to contain. And he's, he's even showed some mobility himself. I did not realize Trevor was that mobile. Um, so, DJ, would you like to add anything from the standpoint of a of from the Cowboys' perspective on this game? Uh, Superman met its kryptonite that day. I mean, <laughs> there's nobody other than Bryant that can step up on the outside and be a threat. You know, Terrence Williams, he has to face a lesser competition to be anything. Uh, and, you know, they got in the second and long situations, so those little five-yard dump-offs to Beasley and Witten, the Broncos are so good at tackling, they can just sit back and just attack it, you know, with their safeties, with their linebackers, with Harris. I mean... But who so, really has the personnel to do what the Broncos can do, though? That's I know. And on, on defense? Yeah. No one. No one. Yeah. No one. I mean, the, the key is for the Cowboys is they can't get – I mean, yeah, they came back against the Packers in that playoff game, but the Packers have cheese on defense. Mm -hmm. So, it, it, you know, of course they can come back. But, you know, if they go against a good team, they cannot get down by more than two possessions. They cannot. They're not built to come back. They're built to have Zeke and Dak do that little read option, play action. And if that doesn't work – it's down, downhill from there. Moving on. Brandon, it's time for your topic of choice. So uh, take it away. So I know you guys have heard a lot about Kyrie and LeBron. 
I just feel like this notion that LeBron was holding Kyrie back is just absurd. It's And also the fact that most analysts have the Celtics over the Cavs. I'm, I just don't get that really. I mean, I understand. The shot-making ability of Kyrie and his insane, finish, insane finishing ability, it helped Cleveland a lot. He's also a better shooter than his Isaiah. But the thing is, with him, he doesn't have any court vision, so LeBron can never come off the floor or rest. He always had to be the point guard. With IT, he has floor, he has floor vision, so LeBron's going to be able to rest more. Now, you can make the case with Brad Stevens. That's going to help Kyrie a lot. Probably will, because he's never had a great coach, but... I just don't see the Celtics beating the Cavs in the playoffs next year. They still didn't correct their rebounding issues. They lost two of their best defenders and Avery Bradley and Jaw Crowder. Jaw Crowder is their best LeBron-type defender. And now he's on the Cavs. So, I mean, they got Hayward, who's awesome. But unless Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are big time next year, I don't expect LeBron to have to expend so much energy on defense. And the Celtics still have no one that can guard him. And... More simpo- most importantly, they can't keep Love or TT off the glass, which killed them last last year, and they didn't correct that issue. Kyrie's nice, but him and Isaiah, that's basically just a... They equal each other out, personally. If you're Kyrie, why don't you want to play with LeBron? No clue. I'm My opinion, I think he's heard all the chatter. The He's tired of the... The I'm, Mamba mentality. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm the second fiddle. He's tired of hearing that. I... He wants to be looked at like Dame Lillard, John Wall. But which is crazy is because right. they thought he was crazy for not wanting to right. be in that situation. Dame Lillard well. came out and said, Why wouldn't you want to go to the finals every year? Why wouldn't you want that platform? My issue with, with Kyrie and the whole LeBron thing right now is the Cavs, last year, in, a, in 635 minutes, without LeBron James on the court Negative. and Kyrie on the, on the court, they were minus 120. Mm hmm. They didn't win a single game that LeBron sat out last year. Everyone, everyone was talking about LeBron sitting out. You know, why is he resting? Rest, rest, rest. NBA. And then we go to the finals. The minute LeBron stepped, the second LeBron steps off the court, the Warriors go on this 9-0 run, 11-0 mm-hmm. run, 12-0 run. And without LeBron in the four years that that he left to go to Miami, the four years that. Kyrie was in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. They, the Cavs never won more than 33 games. Never won more than 33 games. I just don't. I just don't see. And Kyrie Kyrie's being, had plenty of chances to lead when LeBron's out on the floor, or even with LeBron on the floor, he has a higher usage rate than LeBron. He shot more attempts than LeBron. He's he's had the ball in his hands all all the time, and I'm just. I, I just don't see it. I don't see him being the number one option for a team. LeBron took more of a back seat. With Kyrie than he did with Dwayne Wade. Yep. If you look at the usage of it, I mean, how many times have we seen Kyrie dribble the ball up court, control the possession, and LeBron just kind of be a wing player mm-hmm. on, on a possession? I I don't see what Kyrie saw. To be honest, I think you know the the Mamba mentality. I think it kind of uh, maybe brainwashed him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe he he wanted to go to to Boston for that reason. They're not beating the Cavs in a seven game series. Yeah, I don't no see way. it. I don't that see it. rebounding, they're just going to get destroyed in the glass. And their defense is going to be a lot worse. They've lost Avery Bradley. They just, I don't know, they've lost a lot of pieces. From the impact of the finals, though, did the Cavs get better in any way against the Warriors? Against the Warriors, no. But overall, I do think they got better. They got more depth. If Derrick Rose, 
Jeff Green. That's it's those are athletic guys that they didn't have. They had to depend on Richard Jefferson last year. And Crowder, I mean, I Mike, I like Crowder. I think he's a good player. He's a great player for Boston because he, he's the guy who who guards LeBron. Mm-hmm. But in the last four minutes of a Finals game, he's not going to be on the court. Yeah, it's what they did. The offseason is not going to matter versus the Warriors. I'd ask, I'd honest, honestly argue the Warriors got better last year from last year. The pieces yeah. they got this offseason. Until the Cavs trade for Boogie. <laughs> well, that's another thing. You know, this Brooklyn pick, it's kind of um, it's a mystery. You know, um, it's it's protected. So it's top three. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much guaranteed top three. I don't think that's winning any games that will make that change. Right. So what do you do with that pick? Do you make a trade for I, Boogie Cousins? I feel, I feel like you got to go all out for LeBron. Because if, if he leaves, you're done anyways. Well, nah. They're kind of in a, in a tricky situation because, I mean, if they go all in right now and they make the trade and say they bring someone like Boogie, then you're probably securing another year or two of LeBron in Cleveland mm-hmm. if you make that trade. I don't think if, if you sit back and you hold that, hold that pick. He's gone. I think he's gone. Yeah. I think he's looking at other pieces. And and can you blame him, though? Right. I mean, can you blame him? I mean, Gilbert's running him out again. He, he is. I mean, Dan Gilbert's the, the worst owner in sports. And he just got lucky that he bought a team – where LeBron James lived. I mean, exactly. yeah. I mean, th- that is the truth. That is the truth. They've missed on so many number one picks when LeBron was gone too. Bennett, terrible. Right. I mean, he's tr- just he's been the basically the Andrew Luck of the of the NBA, but obviously a little bit more valuable since he's the best player. But you get what I'm saying. He carries that franchise. Right. For sure. Uh, real quick, let's look forward to past Texans. Pats Texans. Okay. What I got for that, personally, I don't really. What it brings me to the Pats and Texans, Bill and Mount Patricia, they've struggled versus mobile quarterbacks at times. Katane Watson will be interesting, but for what I've seen from him, I've honestly not been that impressed. He struggles to go for his reads. And the last few times the Pats have played the Texans, they've been able to shut out DeAndre Hopkins and even JJ Watt. So, honestly, Marcus Cannon's health issues, since he's not practiced all week, will be interesting. Because he, last year, he gave J.J. Watt one of his worst games of his career. PFF graded it his worst, his worst game since his rookie season. And Marcus Cannon is injured right now. He hasn't been practicing, so if he's not a, not a go, that should be interesting and see how they're going to contain J.J. Watt. But overall, Watson, I just I don't see how he's going to put together an offense Personally, a rookie going against the arguably the greatest coach of all time. Personally, I think he is. I just, I just don't see them having much success. The argument here is the Texans usually play the Pats pretty tough, but their you know, defense, yeah, their, their defense, defense gets after Brady. Their defense gets after Brady, but I don't think we're talking about the same Houston Texans team that we've talked about in years past. Especially, um, even on the defensive side, um, I know the spread's what thirteen and a half. Yeah, thirteen. And I don't half. know if that's that might know. be a little too much, but. I feel like the Pats, they should get the job done. Oh, absolutely. So, uh, moving on. DJ, this is your topic. Take it away. So, the Cowboys bouncing back against the Cardinals. What needs to happen is they just need to keep feeding Zeke. Uh, you know, the Cardinals aren't the Broncos as far as defensive talent-wise, even though they do have Patrick Peterson. Uh, but one thing that's interesting is the corner, the other corner for Arizona, Bethel, he's surrendered two touchdowns already this, this year. So look for Terrence Williams or Bryce Butler on the outside to attack him. See if they can get some post routes, some double moves. 
Um, but, you know, I want to see more outside runs with Zeke. I mean, you know, the whole thing at Ohio State was his ability to break tackles, his ability to cut, just make people miss. And, you know, we don't, we don't need him to hit a 60-yard touchdown every single game. We could just 12-yard runs, 15-yard runs out of nothing. That's what we need to see. Uh, but I think that the, Cow, uh, the Cowboys do end up winning 31-20. to um, I think that the Cardinals keep it close. Um, you know, because of their, they do have good receivers and secondary. But I think that there's going to be a young corner named Chidobi Awuje who has a pick six late in the game and makes it a two-score game. All right. So when I think of the Cowboys, I think the one thing they have to do, and they have to do it, I think this week would be a great week to start. Last week they were probably one of the best teams on the third down on both sides of the ball. They, they, they converted their third downs. I think they converted them the most of any other team in the National Football League last year on third down. And defensively, where they still had their, their issues last year, they got off the field in third down at mm-hmm. a pretty successful rate. I feel like if they, could, if they control the line of scrimmage and they get off the field on third down, they convert their third downs, I think they'll win for sure. Yeah, I, I look for them to bounce back this week. Um, I, I think the run game is going to definitely be their um, inter- interesting stat i just seen. Um, Des Bryant has been targeted 25 times in two games. He's yeah. been he's played against Janoris Jenkins and Akeem Tlaib. Now he's got Patrick Peterson. And now he's got Patrick Peterson. So I, you know, maybe Dak needs to try to find locate um, some other players. Like you said, maybe um, Cole Beasley and Terrence Williams maybe step up to take a bigger role, um, kind of relieve because right now the main focus is, is Des. Targeted twenty five times yeah. in two games. That's pretty remarkable. Let's talk about Des real quick. Where where do you stand on Des Bryant right now? Is Hmm. Are, are we past that point where he's in his prime? I think we're out, we're out. He's out of I his prime. I feel like definitely injuries are definitely – he's lost a lot of explosion and speed from injuries. He doesn't have that separation he used to have. He's still a big, big-time red zone threat, though. Probably arguably the best in the NFL. That back shoulder throw, red usually button. money. But he's not getting separation like he used to. That's for sure. I think he's still a top 10 to top 15, like he's in that 10 to 15 range of receivers in the league. Um, you know, his route running has always been very raw, and that's, that was the one thing against him coming out of Oklahoma State originally was, you know, they got to they gotta really go against his route running because he just uses athleticism. Well, now that he's older and he's gotten hurt with the ankle injuries, the knee injuries, et cetera, you know, he's got he to gotta really hone his craft in terms of route running. Right. Um, but interesting in that Giants game is that Dak did miss a couple throws that he had some leverage, especially in the, that mm-hmm. end zone run with Jenkins. I think there was a streak play where he was open, and Des, I mean Dak just kind of overthrew him just a little bit. Yep. Yeah, and I, I, I agree as a, as a red zone target. Um, I, I would argue that he has like the strongest hands as a receiver. I mean, his ability to snag a ball there is is really impressive and hold on to the ball. Um, but he's he's kind of way down on my list. Um, I, I, there's a lot of receivers that I would I would take over Dez. But, Who are the receivers you would take? Uh, well, obviously uh, Antonio Brown, Julio Hello. Jones, um, Odell. Odell, Odell for sure. Did you take Mike Evans? I would. That's I a good would. one. I was actually just getting ready to mention that. Um, I think I would. I, I think I think in the long run I would take um, Mike Evans and of course Bronco guy. I'm taking Demarius over Dez. Right. DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre. Yeah, Hopkins. yeah, yeah. I, I think so. I, I think I think. DeAndre is, is more of a, a, a complete receiver. I think um, you kind of hit on route running. I think um, Jordy Nelson. Yeah, yeah Jordy I was going to say that as well. Jordy Nelson, I would for sure take over Dez right Adrian now. Green. 
Yes. AJ Green for yes. sure. Yeah. 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 I think so. But like I, like I said, I think he's just ten to fifteen range right now. Would yeah. you guys Still take the, top the current Larry Fitzgerald over Des? I would. I was going through the receivers in my head real quick, and Larry Fitzgerald came up, and I would go. Yes, I think I don't. I, it's really, it's really close though. Like when you think about it, like Larry's production over the course of his career, it's pretty much unparalleled. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if you if you just just googling, I mean, if it's yeah. it's unparalleled his, his production. Success his post, is legendary. Besides Jerry Rice, he's the second best postseason receiver to me ever. Yeah. I don't know. I, I still think I, I'd probably take Des over Larry as of right now, um, but it's close. And I'm sure there's some we, we forget. Michael Thomas. Michael yes. Thomas. Yeah. Um, so moving on, death bet. You have to pick one gambling line this week as if your life depended on it or just one bet in general. Um, I'll lead off. I'm on Dallas minus three. Book it. They're going to destroy the Cardinals. DJ, what did you have? 31-17? 31-20. 31-20. Absolutely. I'm fine with that. Um, I, I think they bounce back. A uh, big win over the Arizona Cardinals. They get back on track to a nine and seven record for the Dallas Cowboys <laughs> this year. <laughs> that might win the division this year. You know what? I mean, I I had them at nine and seven and making the playoffs. So, but I also I was I'm a little concerned about my Giants pick to make it to the Super oh, Bowl yeah. at this point. I had the Giants winning that division. I, I'm already off that. I I'm off it. I mean, and that offense. I mean, I understand what Odell Beckham, who I think is the best wide receiver in football. I understand him not being He's definitely in. the most valuable to mm-hmm. see. Absolutely. I mean, you can make an argument right now for Julio and Antonio Brown as well. Um, I think Odell has proved his worth over the, last, or the, over the first two weeks of the season. But that offense being – I mean, the defense as well. I mean, I think the, the Giants' defense going into this year was going to be extremely um, strong. But um, I'm just – I'm kind of off the Giants right now. I guess mm-hmm. I'll stick with my pick because the division is um, – you know they're zero and two, and I think one and one is the division lead right now. Yep. So I'll, I'll stick with them. But you know what, nine and seven may win that division this year. If I had to make a bet, I'd probably be. I hate the Steelers, but I have to say the Steelers over the Bears. Negative set, negative sevens. Steelers, honestly, they're not going to be tested the first five weeks. They have pretty easy schedule, and I'm honestly not been impressed by them for what I've seen. But they're doing what they have to do to win games, and that's really all that matters. And I don't really see them losing to the Bears. You got to think also with the Steelers. I mean, four games are going to be against the Bengals and the Browns. Yep. So they, they, mean, they can legitimately win thirteen games. Oh, for sure. And in the Ravens. I mean, I think we pretty much all agree we haven't seen enough out of the Baltimore Ravens right now, especially on the offensive side of the ball, to sit here and say that they're a credible contender to compete with the Steelers in that mm-hmm. division. And the thing is, the Steelers—they've been injury-free so far, which is. Well, I, I read uh, Watts got some little nagging in, injuries, but nothing severe, which is pretty rare for them because usually one of their big threes always goes down. Well, I mean, how many times – it's fair, it's like you can almost count on one hand how many times uh, Roethlisberger, Brown, and Bell have all played a game together, all three of them. Um, so, DJ, death bet. Uh, same as you, Cowboys, Cardinals. One guy we're forgetting, Demarcus Lawrence, four sacks already in two weeks. I think Palmer's rating when under pressure is like 30.7, something like that. And that offensive so, line isn't good either. So I think Demarcus Lawrence is going to have a big day again. Demarcus Lawrence is, I think, second or third in sacks right now in the NFL. Zach? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Chargers, plus three. Uh, take on Kansas City. Kansas City coming to L.A. Um, 
I think I think San Diego could could potentially, or excuse me, San Diego. There we go again. There it and is. The change. I've, I've mentioned that several times. Los Angeles. Excuse me. Uh, I'll take them plus three. Philip Rivers. Real quick about San Diego. Um, a I was listening to sports radio today. They might be going back. And yeah. the NFL is considering apparently forcing the Chargers back to San Diego. And I think it is. I think it's a good move. I think it's a no brainer. USC is the team for. L.A. Yeah, they out sell, out draw them, big numbers. Yeah, I, I, it's, I hate change. I, I'm, I'm not a big, big change person, especially when it comes to sports stuff like that. AFC West, um, the history there, you know, because uh, the AFL, uh, all those teams were were part of that, and the history there, I think it should just remain focused. Especially, and I'm not even high. I, I, I'm going to be devastated when Oakland uh, leaves to go to Las Vegas. I, mm-hmm. I just, I, I hate that move and. Yep. Well, so much history there. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Rams have more of a tradition in LA, and you know what? With the money that Stan Kroenke's putting into the stadium, I think the Rams will be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two teams just is not, it's not going to work. Especially when you like, I, like I said, USC's the draw there. Mm. Right. I mean, if you look at the the USC Texas game last week, and then the next day, looked who was playing, uh, who was at the I think it was Rams Redskins. I mean, they couldn't sell nearly close to what USC was selling, right. and you're telling you that. You're putting the Chargers in a soccer stadium right now, right. which I think is an insult to that franchise. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I would absolutely, in a heartbeat, move that team back to San Diego. And if the taxpayers don't want a stadium, they don't want a stadium. If they don't want to pay for a stadium, they don't want to pay for it. Um, but the Chargers need to be in San Diego. Zach, death bet. Did you have one? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. That's how we got on Chargers. All right. Um, we're going to end with our final burn. We're going to go with our favorite team picks. Um, I'm going to lead off Titans 23, Seahawks 17. Um, Seahawks traveling to Nashville. I think it's a tough game. I think the Titans defensive line is going to um, really frustrate Russell Wilson. The Seahawks offensive line is not very good this year. They're struggling the last couple weeks. Um, look for Rackpo, Casey, and Morgan to have a big week. And I think Marcus Mariota gets on track this week. No touchdown passes in the first two games. He's historically starts off pretty slow if you look at the last couple years, especially last season. I think he gets on track this week. I think the running game gets on track this week. We control the ball a little more. And I, I look for the Titans to um, to hold serve at home and get a nice 23-17 win over the Seattle Seahawks. Do you think they can afford to start late? I mean, the way they've you know, started last week, they've only, what was the score at half? Last week was six to three at half, right. and they put thirty-one points up in the second Against half. Is that Seahawk offense? I think they'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I would like to see them. I'm, I'm usually a big proponent of kicking the ball to start the game. You know, deferring. I would like to see the Titans receive and go straight down the field and get and get a touchdown. I think that's. I think that'd be a big, a point of emphasis for How this team. How do you feel about Derrick Henry starting? He's out playing Murray pretty. DeMarco Murray has a, has a nagging hamstring that he's dealing with right now. I mean, what I would do is I would say I'd let DeMar- DeMarco take the week off, mm-hmm. you know, and let's go with Derrick Henry, a more physical back. Maybe he can wear down that Seattle um, front seven a little more. Um, Derrick Henry's running style is uh, very odd. You know, he's, he's very he's upright when he runs. Um, I wouldn't call him very explosive, um, but he's just a very physical runner, and people don't want to – they don't tackle that yeah. 20, 25 times a game. I mean, it kind of wears on people. Right. Ask Jalen Ramsey three times now. He's been ran over for touchdowns. <laughs> so um, 
I think I think the Titans bounced back, did a big win. And you know what? Last week's win, granted, it was against Jacksonville, and I think we re- we learned that Jacksonville, even with their win over Houston, is not very good. Mentally, it's a it's a nice win. It, it's a it's a, for the organization. The Titans, the last two years, have only won three division games in the last two years. So your first division game on the road to beat the Jaguars team, who last year in Week 16 um, put it on us, and then Marcus left with a broken leg. Then he walk out of the stadium for us to go back to Jacksonville, um, get a nice 37 to 16 win. I think mentally is a nice win for the team, especially um, even with the AFC South as weak as it is. I think you know now we have the mindset. You know what we have redemption for the last last year that kept us out of the playoffs. You know, Titans finished 9-7, Texans finished 9-7 last year. Texans had the tiebreaker because they beat us twice. If we go in and handle business in Jacksonville last year, the Titans would have would have made the playoffs and won the division. So yep. uh, mentally, it's a nice it's a nice win for the Titans last week, and I think this week they keep it going. Um, so Brandon, I got the Pats 24, Texans six. Gronk said he's good to go. Amandela is going to be back. Hogan said he's good to go. Hightower's supposed to be back. Looks like they got some of their guys back. And I just it's hard to pick a rookie quarterback to go in and beat the Pats. It's just it's just really hard. So it just doesn't happen. Yeah. yeah. I, I think we all pretty much agree. I think most agreed there's they don't see the Texans beating the Pats this week. DJ? Cowboys thirty one, Cardinals twenty. Completely agree with that one as well. Zach? Uh Broncos twenty nine. Uh twenty to and Bills nine. Um I think Offensively, I don't see the Bills doing much. Um, I honestly actually see Denver's defense even possibly scoring a touchdown in that game. Um, so, 20, Broncos 20, Bills 9. Bills 19, Broncos 14. Book it. <laughs> Book it. Upset of the week right there. All right, guys. So, I think that about wraps it up for the second episode of the Last Burn podcast. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at The Last Burn. And please subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us a five-star review. And um, see you.